Welcome to Amplifying Wellness with TLC, a podcast where we discuss self-care and wellness through guest stories, information, and tips on how to live healthier and happier lives. We are Twin Life Coaching and Business Services. With us as your host, myself, Tara Lehman, and Barb Schutz, also my partner in crime and twin sister. We care about increasing your awareness around self-care and mental health through this podcast, coaching, a supportive community, and more. To find out more about all of our services and our community, please visit us at twinlifecoaching.ca. As a reminder, this podcast is for sharing of stories and information only and is not intended to be or replace any advice you have speaking or have received. Thank you, Tara. Today we are welcoming John Ballard. He's an accountant and owner of Ballard Business Solutions. Welcome to the show, John. Hi, guys. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's great to finally meet you. John, I'm wondering if you can tell myself and our listeners a bit about your background with regards to financial wellness. Yeah, so my background with financial wellness, or maybe a little bit of lack thereof, is living through um, it most of my life. And growing up, uh, family always lived paycheck to paycheck, a lot of food insecurities, uh, a lot of those final notice envelopes coming in the mail, mm-hmm. uh, that, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, fast forward many years and starting my own family uh, came with essentially the same problems and living paycheck to paycheck, struggling financially to meet de- debt obligations and those sorts of things. Uh, you know, after some big changes a few years ago, I've been able to kind of bounce back financially and, uh, you know, a fresh start, so to speak. And uh, this time with years of experience and the drive not to kind of make those same mistakes that I made years and years ago. Uh, so. Um, all the while personally financing my business and being able to comfortably afford my family's lifestyle. That's awesome. So you talk about those mistakes and also, you know, living in times where you're paycheck to paycheck and clearly our world is that right now. I mean, uh, so many people struggle. What do you see as some of those big challenges now um, for people around money and for finance? What are you seeing? out there so a lot it's financial discipline is really a big thing right uh being able to successfully live within one means or one's mm-hmm. means uh in short instead of you know the paycheck to paycheck right uh budgeting and cash flow planning um even uh a big challenge is not really understanding how credit works and how that affects mm-hmm. you know essentially your life financially and otherwise right um, and of course, you know, overspending, especially through, you know, the Christmas season, everybody's just buying everything, uh, and, you know, Black Friday and all those sales uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, lifestyle changes, lifestyle habits. Um, and a big one is really being able to ask for help when you need it. Yeah, that's a big challenge. I want to come back to something that you said, which is living at your means or even better would be under your means, right? Can yep. you help? our audience understand what that actually means? So it's really just instead of, you know, if you bring in, you know, $2,000 a month, it's, you know, uh, your your outflows of cash or your expenses are, you know, maybe $1,800 or $1,500 instead of 2000 on the dot or, you know, $2,500. And that's kind of where, where you're seeing you're going to, into debt or you're going to have to, you know, take from a credit card or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where budget can come in handy, right? If you actually have a, a good budget. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think awesome. too, another another challenge you brought up was understanding credit. And I think that that's a really big one. 
Uh, personally, I have a 19-year-old son who's had a credit card since he turned 18. And, and we sat down, had quite a conversation about how and why you use it. Because you, essentially, for him, he needs one to build credit. But at the same yeah. time, you don't want him to go into debt. So I don't know. Are you finding those same types of challenges in your work? Uh I don't know if I would say in my work quite yet, but absolutely. Uh, my son just turned 18 in July and we had those conversations, um, you know, in May and June this year. Is when you turn 18, expect that huge influx of credit applications kind of coming in and credit cards um, of all sorts of uh, varieties and credit limits. And, uh, you know, not to maybe scare him so much, but just to give him a real, you know, good dose of, of life advice is, um, you know, pay them off every month and make sure you're, again, living within your means, right? Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, his feedback to me after some of those conversations were, I'm just going to stay away from them from right now because I don't feel comfortable having the, that credit at my disposal. Oh, wow. And I, yeah. I was blown away by that as a parent. I'm like, yeah. that's fantastic. That is fantastic. <laughs> I wish I had that discipline when I was 18 and sometimes even a bit older yeah. than 18 too, right? That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I know my son has a very limited amount um, because he has a car, so he pays his car insurance with it. So he builds a credit and he's got also the, the credit from his paying his car insurance. So it's kind of a win-win. And he does the exact same thing um, that you were suggesting, John. He pays it off sometimes even the same day that he uses it because he knows he, then he won't get interest on it. It's just a really interesting challenge that I know you know, as we have bigger mortgages and giant grocery bills and people are now turning to credit for those things. Um, I think those are some of those larger challenges outside of those, you know, turning 19 or 18 ones. But they all kind of come from the same basis of where you're building from. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I have another question about credit when we talk about, you know, kids and obviously some kids are being very responsible and some aren't. But as Barb alluded to, in our day and age, even as adults who are older, you know, people can can cling to credit because that's how they're paying for their groceries or whatever. I'm wondering if you have a tip or two that um, may be helpful around how to manage that credit card bill if they can't pay off the whole thing. Yeah, uh, do the best that you can. When when it's the end of the month and you get that credit card statement, pay as, as much as you comfortably mm -hmm. can. Um, you know, you nobody ever really wants to pay interest on anything, especially a credit card or, or a bank loan or anything like that. Uh, but just do your best, right? That's all really what we can uh, expect from, from people, especially with the economic climate as it is now. Uh, mm -hmm. It is going to be very difficult not to have to dip into... To, you know a line of credit or to um, push more expenses onto your credit card um, but yeah that's what I would say just do the best you can um, put something down uh, obviously never make the just the minimum payment mm -hmm. um, you know because that doesn't that never gets you anywhere even it says now on the credit card statements I think it's been like that for a long time where it tells you if you just pay the minimum balance on you know a thousand bucks it's going to take you to literally retirement before that gets paid off right and wow. all that extra interest so yeah. just do the best you can. Make sure you're still eating at the end of the day, too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So I want to shift um, a little bit to going back to kind of general financial wellness. So what are your thoughts on why financial wellness can be both positive, but also for some people, a negative experience? So I think when I was kind of looking through uh, and doing some, some research before uh, this episode, you know, 
the positive financial wellness is almost a, a pretty easy question to to answer. And it's really just, you know, uh, making sure your habits are in check, right? Yeah. Um, okay. And, you know, understanding credit and things like that. And, you know, an easy question to come back to me is, well, well, how do I learn some of that stuff? Because they didn't really teach it in school a whole lot. Um, nope. <laughs> and it's, it's really coming down from our parents and maybe even our grandparents. And it's them having good habits. And them, you know, teaching their kids, you know, hey, this is how you, if you, when you get a credit card when you're 18, this is maybe what you should do, right? Or, you know, uh, you know, really understanding or uh, helping our kids understand about budgeting and, you know, cash flow and things like that. I think that's a huge thing. And if it's passed down from, um, you know, our our family members, I think that's that's usually where it's coming from. Um, now, obviously, the opposite is true, right? Where if mom and dad or grandparents really don't have that um, key financial instinct or positive financial wellness, I think that's where things can kind of go awry. And that's where you start getting into bad habits. Now, when you're growing up with your with your family, right, most of us live at home until at least 18, some even longer. Um, yeah. is that they're watching their parents and what they do and how they spend and all their spending habits. And, you know, if mom and dad are racking up that credit card and, you know, again, you know, those final notice envelopes are starting to come yeah. and all that stuff. And you come home from school yeah. and the lights are off and, oh, somebody didn't pay the bills. And so that really almost like by osmosis where your kids learn that. And that's that's the thing that they know. That's the only really way that, that they know how to manage money is to almost not manage it. So it's you know, trying to break that habit, whether it's, you know, the grandparents were not great with it and the parents are trying to break that habit for the kids or however that kind of looks like in their own situation. Um, I, I think that's really kind of where it starts is, is, is definitely with our parents. Um, something else to kind of seriously consider too is, you know, one's mental health or even just their own just situation, right? Um, yeah. You know, especially since the pandemic, you know, the divorce rate has gone up. There's a lot of separation. There's all those sorts of things. You know, mental health is kind of running rampant. I mean, it always runs rampant, but I think it's a little bit more now in the last handful mm -hmm. of years. So some of those things can kind of play into, um, you know, having poor financial uh, wellness. Um, even I myself, like I'm diagnosed with, with ADHD uh, in 2022. And I know I see where my spending habits can go real quick. And so I've kind of wanted to get out of those habits and not be in those positions of, you know, bad impulse spending is, you know, I very close discussions with my parents about money. And um, even my best friend is kind of my unofficial financial advisor. Uh, I say, hey, I want to buy a new computer. Or I want to make this big purchase. What do you think about it? And mm -hmm. we kind of step by step. And but in my brain, I bought it and I'm using it and it's shipped and right. all that. But yeah. I need to slow down. Right. Um, when you don't have maybe that accountability or that support system, it's just you're just ringing it up. And most of the time, if you don't have cash on hand, where's that going to Where's that big purchase going to come from? It's probably credit, some one one mm -hmm. way or another, right? So it's it's definitely things like that, just to hold yourself accountable and to to make sure you have a good support system around you too. Mm -hmm. I want to um, touch back on something you said earlier um, in answering that was. The idea that it's not taught in schools. And that is something that is so, so true. I mean, did we learn about budgets in school or how to save money or what an RRSP is or why do a pension at work? We did not. And, mm -hmm. you know, as career coaches, we hear way too many people say, oh, I don't, I'm not in the pension at work. Why would I do that? And it's just, you know, not understanding these things. 
what, how do you feel that parents can help their kids with understanding some of these things that they need to know by the time they're 18? I mean, besides just the chat with them, obviously, but how, is there any, you know, tips, tricks, resources, maybe that you can think of that can help parents with making sure kids understand that if we're living like this now, that's not how we want you to live and, and maybe how we can help them? Yeah. So what I do with my two is I have pretty open conversations with them. You know, uh, one's 12, one's 18. So it's, you know, age appropriate, of course. Um, but I've opened that door with both of them. So if they come, you know, they usually do come back to me and say, well, dad, what about this? Or what about that? And it's, you know, um, <laughs> actually, I don't have an RISP, but that door becomes open when we start talking about money. I say, hey, there's investments, there's this, there's that. And it's, mm-hmm. It's just, again, having that very two-way, big two-way street with your kids to have that open door conversation with them, right? And all that all comes from feeling comfortable with your own finances and being willing and open to talk about them, even as I am now today, you know, um, in this podcast, mm-hmm. being being open with that stuff. So I think that's a huge thing. Um, and just, you know, um, even ask them questions or if they have uh, allowance um hey if it's 20 dollars a week you're getting for to doing chores maybe five bucks is savings um five dollars or 10 or 15 bucks is kind of whatever else you want you want to go get snacks at the store or toys at walmart or whatever then that's fine Mm -hmm. um but that's that's an easy way to 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 get the kids going on that and to really have an idea for them uh to understand what the dollar is really worth and instead of just oh i have 20 dollars, i'm just going to go waste it at the store Sure. When you go to Walmart, even you're looking at toys and stuff, 20 bucks doesn't get you much really no. you anything, right? So <laughs> no. it's stuff like that, especially with, you know, holidays or birthdays. Um, uh, my, my daughter is, is incredible at saving and twirling away money when there's a birthday or there's Father's Day coming up or Christmas <laughs> is coming up. Yeah. Oh, I know I got to save. I got to buy dad something or I got to buy uh, my brother mm-hmm. something, anything like that. And they're really good at that. And it's, it's just those very small conversations. It doesn't have to be huge you know over the dinner table kind of thing it's just mm-hmm. it's a couple of comments here and there to get the to get the ball going mm-hmm. and starting them that. young I think that that's really uh you know I did the same thing so when my kids got their allowance you know they had to put a certain amount aside um they had paper routes when they were 11 like I started them you know so they value money they understand it more um from a younger age than someone who doesn't have to have a part-time job till they're 18 and ooh, now I've got thousand dollar paycheck I'm going to go spend right there's I I feel that the younger people learn especially through their early teens um they have a better understanding of the value of of money I think that's been my kind of my perspective so for financial wellness it's it's strong to start I think at that younger age and it's all about breaking the habits you know growing up even uh when I was younger and a kid and when I started my own family there was a lot of those phrases which I absolutely hate even to use as a parent now and to have to even hate other parents use and it's we don't have the money I can't afford it even changing some of that language and say uh maybe next month you know come ask me in a couple weeks anything like that because it's it's you know as a kid growing up having to hear that you know at least two or three times a month it's just it's annoying. It's not great. Um, and it's it's a bit deflating to know that, oh, well, mom and dad don't ever have any money. And I don't want my kids to know that stress either, whether it's, you know, me or for them and their families in the future. 
So let me ask you this. If we want to, if we do have a rough time or maybe we've had a rough background um, and we, we want to go from that negative mindset to shifting to more positive financial wellness and a more positive mindset around financial wellness so that those other people around us, including children or anybody else who may be influential, actually can start to see it differently. What are, what would you say would be some tips or ways that we could start to do that? And maybe it's not just kids. Maybe we're at work and someone's having a rough time. Like, what are your thoughts? I think just having a bit of empathy, especially from one adult to another, really understanding uh, and being empathetic of one's situation because it's all different. My situation mm -hmm. might be similar to yours. It might be similar to a friend's, but it's still very different and it's still very much ours. Uh, so just being aware of that alone is, is probably very helpful. Um, and that alone kind of opens up the door. And I think that's kind of how, you know, my best friend and, and I really got okay talking to each other about money is because it just, you know, one day, uh, I think maybe I came home and I messaged her or she messaged me and we, we were going on about money and it was just that small step blew the whole door mm -hmm. open. I'm like, oh, we're okay talking about this now. And it's no different with any yeah. other friend, right? Or even a colleague at work. If you're close with them, sure, no problem. Um, it could be your boss. Uh, maybe that one <laughs> might be a little bit 50-50, but it just, you know, whoever, whoever you feel yeah. comfortable talking to. And if yeah. it's, uh, you know, if it is nobody, um, and you think that you need help, um, even there's there's a lot of services out there and they're all free services. Um, I know some employers will offer benefits and there's EAPs and it's involved mm -hmm. in the EAP. There's even, um, uh, there's a few companies, I won't drop any names, but they're, you know, the licensed insolvency trustees um, that, that deal with consumer proposals and deal with bankruptcies. But it's not just that. It's, you know, it's a phone call. Hey, I just need some help getting my budget together. Can you help me out? Sure. Oh, yeah. And then they go through some of that stuff with you, right? And it's really helpful. And they help uh, their clients be accountable. And that's sometimes maybe what you need to do is mm -hmm. just to be accountable for what you're spending money on. I, I like that tip. Be account, yeah. self-accountable, right? I like that. Yeah. It goes back to the whole habits thing, right? Yeah. Like creating better habits around that, around money. So maybe you don't go eat out four times a week, something like that, right? It's, you know, yep. is that, yeah, that type of habits that you were thinking of when you mentioned that? Even just getting, just on your point about, you know, not eating out four or five times a week, because that's expensive as well. Really expensive. Yeah. You're getting skip the dishes or DoorDash or whichever. But mm -hmm. even um, if you're just looking for a quick meal, like go to Walmart, go to Zares, get something like the, you know, even just a frozen pizza. That's already cheaper than getting you know, Domino's or getting Papa John's yeah. or whatever, um, or even getting, you know, like those casseroles or like a lasagna, something you could just throw in the oven. Yeah, it takes a bit of time, but you can still maybe putter away doing stuff at home. Or if you work from home, you can continue working and, oh, dinner's done at five o'clock. Perfect. Pull it out of the oven and it's good to go. Right. So mm -hmm. it's some of those things, right. It all, again, yeah, it comes down to, to habit forming and sometimes mm -hmm. even just your own time management kind of can get in your way. That's true too. That's so true. Well, I'm going to shift the conversation a little bit again, um, just because of your background and your experiences. So talking about expenses, we're kind of sort of leading into that, you know, where we see a lot of our expenses are groceries or, you know, housing or cars or, or whatever. Um, what are some expenses that you've seen in, in your work where we can actually negotiate those things? 
I mean, groceries, we can negotiate like you just were talking. We can, instead of eating out, right, we can put something in the oven that's a quarter of the cost. What are those other things that either we can manage ourselves or we can negotiate with professionals? It really seems to be those larger ticket items that we all essentially buy. So it's, you know, it's a house. Well, you can absolutely negotiate the cost of a house. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's true. Yeah. Maybe rent might be in there, might be a little bit of a barter somewhere in there um, uh, when you purchase a car. That's absolutely one. Um, those mm-hmm. are pretty obvious ones. Um, just about a month ago, uh, I got a renewal for um, my errors and emissions insurance, and it had gone up like 45 bucks. And I have replied to uh, my, my broker, and I said, hey, listen, is there, is there anything I can do to get this lower? Can we implement some systems or some processes to kind of mitigate some of the cost? And the reply with, came back was, oh, we just reviewed it with the uh, adjuster and stuff like that, and we've just taken off the $45, and it's the same as what it was last year. Like, wow. Oh, okay. I'm like, I usually <laughs> yeah. got to go back and forth with some of these things, right? Um <laughs> The other thing, um, and I used to very much like doing this when I when I was younger and maybe a little bit um, a bit more foolish with money, but it seemed to work out well. Is your cell phone plan and your mm. your internet services and in, in your your cell uh, yeah your cell phone your internet um, uh, and your cable TV packages is look to see what else you can get. See if you can you know uh, negotiate a better rate than maybe what the promotion says or what the, what's being advertised. Um, a lot of the times, maybe they'll give you, you know, an extra 10 bucks for a year. And, mm-hmm. you know, some of that stuff just adds up over time. But that's absolutely one of those things. Um, I know when my cell phone plans renew, that was the first call I was making. And I never went into the store for those things. And I always called. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a few reasons for that. But that, that would be a tangent on a whole nother podcast. But <laughs> it, was, it was really, it was, it was good just to go negotiate back and forth. And I find, too, just quick on that negotiation point is if it's more of a, a want than a need for a cell phone, for example, I'll, I'll give you, this is, this is my situation is my cell phone isn't broken. There's no cracked screen. It works well. I'm not in the position where I want a new cell phone or a better plan or anything like that. So when I get the call from my provider say, Oh, you should upgrade, you should upgrade. They're coming to me, not me going to them yeah. and saying, okay, I'm thinking, well, if you want me to, to do a two-year contract and do all these things, I I can now dictate the terms of that contract. I'm in the driver's seat, yeah. not the service provider, right? And as best as you can, try to keep yourself in that position. Easier said than done when you're winning those bigger ticket items like cars and houses and stuff like that. Uh, but that's absolutely a, a few handful of things there. I have to say it's interesting when you're talking about phone bills and stuff. I recently was talking to one of my larger clients and they, uh, we were talking about negotiation and things that you could negotiate and going through her profit and loss statement. And the one thing she said was she has, you know, 10 to 12 cell phones and she didn't know she could negotiate that with the provider. And I said, why not? I, you know, she ended up not changing providers, but negotiated to save herself $2,500 a year. Wow. Good for her. Just from saying, you know, this is actually what I need. I don't need all these extras because she got sold on them, you know, things like that. I think so even in business or, you know, when you do have those things, even your home phone lines, you know, if you still have the home phone lines, it is actually probably easier 
Okay, yes, you're going to spend a couple hours on the phone. But in her case, it was four hours of her time to save $2,500. So it was worth it. And 100%. I have, you don't you don't need yeah. a business degree to, to know that that's that's all that's all great value there. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I it's so ironic that we're actually chatting with you tonight, John, because um, my husband and I were kind of looking at ways we could save money. So I said to him on Sunday tomorrow. So yesterday, call our Internet phone and um, cable provider and ask them if there's any like if we can get rid of the home phone. What will that do to our bill? He says. The home phone's already free, which, of course, they don't break that down on the bill anymore. So there is no charge for your home phone. And I said, well, you know, it's still too much. He goes, don't worry. I got them down $25 a month. So we went from 201 to 175 for the next two years. They locked it in for two years. And I said, what? He's, All you have to do is, is ask, Pick up the right? Phone. And it seems like so much stuff's negotiable. So it's, yeah. it's a, kind of an old-fashioned thing, I think, to barter or negotiate. And I think we need to bring that back. It's so important. I mean, in a nutshell, all you have to do is ask. If the yes. provider or whoever says no, then it's no. You're still in the yep. same spot as you were, you know, five minutes ago. But if they yeah. say yes, well, that opens everything up now, right? Yeah. That's really That's good fun. advice. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So, John, what do you have that one big tip or that one key takeaway that you would like our audience to take from you today? Uh, don't be afraid or ashamed to reach out for help. Like, full stop. Yeah. That is a big one. Um, you know, as I kind of mentioned too, is is having those open uh, age appropriate conversations with your kids about money, you know, the credit and the debt and all those things, um, or even a close friend or family member. Um, those are big, big key um, points. Um, I, you know, I know, I just, I'm thinking now is that we're talking a lot about kids, but even our spouses, depends mm -hmm. on what that dynamic yeah. looks like at home. In some instances, it's my bank account versus their bank account and not a joint bank account or all, you know, we're just going to pull over all of our money together. Um, it's amazing, um, you know, during tax time. Hey, don't let my wife, don't, don't talk to my wife about, you know, my, my tax situation. Oh, no. Uh, okay. <laughs> no. I'm like, I don't, that's fine. You've mentioned that to me. I won't do that. And mm -hmm. vice versa. I'm like, okay, no problem. But it's interesting to me how that conversation at home necessarily doesn't happen at all. Yeah. And so the other party really doesn't know what's going on in the other bank account necessarily. Right. So that's that's kind of interesting. That's a really good tip, you know, especially speaking to your spouse, because that's the person that you're usually doing all the money transitions with. That's really good advice. So if if any of our listeners wanted to reach out to you or have some contact with you, learn a bit more about your business, how can they reach you? The easiest way is to check out my website. It's Ballard Business Solutions with an S at the end, .ca. So BallardBusinessSolutions.ca. All my social links are on that website. Um, uh, I have my, my calendar is always on there. Uh, I do 30-minute free consultations. So whether that's, you know, a, a personal tax or personal stuff or business finances, you know, reach out for sure. Great. Thank, Thank you. you. So much, John. And just so everybody knows, John is also in Canada. So um, just awareness of that with regards to finances. Um, thank you so much for talking with us on such a critical topic these days for so many people. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. I had a blast. Thank you for having me. At Twin Life Coaching and Business Services, we are here for you through all of our services and our new safe and welcoming community. We have free discussion groups, ebooks, workshops, and more included in the annual membership. You can find the link on our homepage on our website to explore more. We hope to see you there.
So thanks again to all of our listeners and to you, John, for joining us today. We hope everyone was able to take away some key points that can help you on your financial wellness journey. To learn more about all of our services and our amplifying leadership, as Tara has just mentioned, you can visit our website at twinlifecoaching.ca. Until next time, remember, you've got this.